Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Daf Shavua as we study Meseches Ksuvos Daf Chav Zayin. Thank you, everyone, for hanging in there. I'm sorry that this year is uh, being delivered a little bit late. It's kind of busy time of year, and uh, Baruch Hashem over Shabbos had a chance to uh, prepare the Daf. And uh, it's a very fascinating daf. We're getting close to the end of the second parak, where we've been dealing with a lot of issues of what happens when a woman is captured. Um, specifically, what is her status, both as far as uh, relating to her husband, even if it's a Yisrael, and especially when it's a Kohen. Because again, the idea of Asalabal, Asalabal, will not take place when things are done against the woman's will. So if a woman is raped, she still could be with her husband. The only problem is going to be if the husband is a Kohen. Now, I want to just, hopefully we've gotten this already, but just to realize that (coughs) not every category of her uh, being together with non-Jewish captors is the same. We've actually seen three different categories. We started off with a Shavuya, where a Shavuya is captured for no other reason but uh, the hatred of the woman, or specifically what's happening of the hatred of the Jewish people. But we also have, as we see on the top of Chaf Zayin Amad Aleph, something that's called the, the Hurhana, where it was arranged that she should be taken. Um, there's a certain debt that has to be that is owed. So there's an arrangement that's made. Who the arrangement is made with is uh, interesting question. Is it with her husband? Is it with someone in the community? But she's walking into that situation. And then we had um, we saw this in the Mishnah on Dafchaf Avam Beis. The Nechbsha case is where she is taken, but she is taken again to be for collateral. That would be the Mamun case. Or you have the Nefashos case. And, and the way I learning, I'm learning this Gemara is the Nefashos case where she already has been uh, destined to be killed as a woman who's high of Misa. So there are differences again as far as how this woman is going to be uh, treated. Now what I wanted to do, we'll see how far we get. And uh, we still have another daf of this before we get on to the next parak. I wanted to show you how some of these halachas are really not as far out as we think. And just to give you a little bit of an overview in uh, Jewish history of some how some of these halachas come up. Now, I'm not giving a very thorough analysis or based on my knowledge of Jewish history. This is what almost everything I'm going to say is going to be a reference that you'll find either from the Nosei Kalim, the commentaries on the Rambam, but more often, more frequently, from the commentaries on the Shulchan Aruch. And uh, you see how halacha is very often paskind based on real situations. Now the Rambam, which we'll go through quickly, this Rambam actually came up already in last week's daf, but it comes up towards the Mishnah in this week's daf, is Isure Bia, Perak Yudches Halacha Lamid, and is a very long Shulchan Aruch. I may have even mentioned the Shulchan Aruch a couple of weeks back. And again, thank Rabbi Israeli who gave the Shir last week. 
in Shulchan Arch, Evan Ezer, Huchos Ishus, Simon Zion, Sifyud Aleph. And what you're going to find in the Shulchan Arch, and here in particular in the Ramah, we're going to see halachos that are based on real shalos uchuvos that took place, real questions that took place. And that's why you'll find sources, whether it's in the Rush, whether it's in the Radvaz, which is quoted by Epischei Tshuva, whether it's in the Maharik, etc. So it's just an important point in understanding halacha that the Rishonim, or we'd say the early Achronim in the Shulchan Aruch, and the Ramah, they're operating off of real case law. I mean, very often, they're obviously operating off of the Rambam and off of the Gemara as well. And we have pointed out that sometimes you're going to see halacha l'maysa that comes out of cases that are in the Gemara. We even have towards the Mishnah here, the the, the case of a murderer. He was a well-known murderer. His wife, remember the Gemara gets into the question, is the wife the wife of a murderer or the wife of a Ganev? And a specific murderer is identified. Why did this guy wasn't thrown into jail is a good question. Maybe eventually he was. So the Rambam says in Hilchas Yisirei and this is a, a good summary of the Gemara. Then I want to get into some practical cases that came up. So the, the Rambam is talking over here of Nechbasha, which is similar to what we saw last week. Ha'isha she'nechbasha b'yada akum, al mamon muteres. So if the woman was imprisoned, again, it doesn't have to be a real prison, but she was uh, taken captive and it was because of uh, financial matters. So that's the, and this was actually a situation where, which was not prearranged. Wouldn't necessarily make such a difference, but let's just go with the Rambam. She was taken, then Muteris. The assumption that you have over here, and you see this actually in the Ramah, in Evan Ezer, spells this out in Simon Zion, is we don't suspect that she's raped because the the non-Jews here aren't going to rape her because of fear that they'll be found out that they raped her and they would have to end up forfeiting any money that's owed to them. So it ends up being counterproductive. Now, this assumes that we're operating within some type of system of law that is fear, fair. And we're going to end up seeing the Gemara makes a distinction between Jewish law and secular law, um, or Jewish law and the law of the non-Jews. Whether this would apply today is not so clear, because let's say in the United States of America, you could say that the laws are fair. It may just, it may not necessarily. This is discussed in some of them, in the, some of the tshuvos. Is it a din in just a non-Jewish court, or is it a din in the nature? of the location. Okay, so the um, so that's the first part of the Rambam. If it's a case of nefashos, as we explained, it, let's say going the way Rashi goes, asura lekahuna, then we're going to assume that they're not concerned about any of these issues. She's already uh, destined to be punished. And therefore, she is going to at least be usher to a Kohen. She's not going to be usher to her husband because it's still going to be a situation where she's forced. We don't assume 
at least on the surface, we don't assume that this is a woman who is uh, seducing the captors. Maybe whether she's doing it for the purposes of getting out or whether she's doing it for the purposes of, uh, you know, her own pleasure. The Ramah does discuss a situation where, let's say that's the reputation of the woman, would the halacha be different or not? Now, the Rambam over here makes the same distinction that we saw back in our Gemara. Saw this actually last week. Bizman shiyad Yisrael takifa ala akum. Right? When is it said? When it's the Jewish uh, courts that are in charge. Vehem yireyim mehem. Even by the Mamon case, so even in a case where you have a non-Jewish court, but if you had someone give testimony, and over here we're going to say even if it was one person, that she did not have bia, then she's going to be believed. The Hagas Hamaimonis points out over here. Interestingly, let's say you had, you know, we have this in the area of Kashrus. You have something called the Yotze Venechnas, where sometimes that's going to be enough supervision to create what we say a mirsas, a fear on the owner not to mess around with uh, the Kashrus. Sometimes you need a Tamidi, a Mashkiach Tamidi. So I think that's what the issue is over here. It's the issue of mirsas, it's of the fear. So if you have a situation where this woman is taken captive, right, that's the arrangement, she's the collateral, then if you have yotze v'nechnas, which means legitimate people coming in and coming out, then there's going to be the fear that uh, maybe we're going to get caught, so we're not going to end up raping her. And that would apply whether it's a case of mamon or even in the Nefashos case. That's the way I understand the Rambam. Now, just one thing to throw out, we see in the, in the Gemara, some people ask me about this in Shabbos, we see in the Gemara that uh, Ashkelon is identified as a place of uh, where the Yad HaAkum is Takifa. Um, yeah, it was Ashkelon, right? Not Ashtod, it was Ashkelon. So it's interesting, if you look at Rashi, Rashi points out two things. First of all, he says that Ashkelon is a plushti city, and then he adds also it's Bizman Golis. So just because something is a plushti city doesn't mean that it can't be under control of the Jews at this time. Let's say Ashkelon today. Now, I, I don't think Ashkelon today is the exact spot, but it's not so far away because we know it's by the water, and the, the plishtim had five uh, cities in that area close to Gaza. You know, in Ashkelon today, Baruch Hashem, you could uh, get a beautiful apartment, and it's not going to be as expensive as uh, Netanya, Herzliya. One of the reasons is because uh, it's closer to Gaza. Nothing should happen over there, but you just see from its location. So that was the, the area of the Plishtim. But Rashi, just to be Medayik and Rashi, I think it's important, he adds that fact that it's also Bisman. So we're not looking for historical purposes, whether it's a Plishti city, whether it's a, whatever nation, it's, you have to look at what's happening. Now, some could be cynical 
and say, how about the laws in Eretz Yisrael today? You know, these are some of the issues that are going on now with these protests. I still would say that Eretz Yisrael today has a legal system that's in place, both the rabbinic law and the secular law as well. And this is not the place for uh, politics, although it's big political issues. Now, I want to show you something from the Tshuva Sarash, the Tshuva, the Shalos Tshuva Harash, which is actually quoted in the Ramah, and uh, the Ramah that I pointed out. Now, let's just give a little bit of a historical context. The Rush is living in the uh, 13th and 14th centuries. He was born in Germany. He dies in Spain. The Rush, uh, due to many reasons, including anti-Semitism, but also some other reasons as well, did a lot of traveling. We often uh, lean on the Rush to try to figure out minhagim. If you have a minhag in one place that follows uh, one one practice, and then you have another practice, for example, there's a whole shadow that came to the Rush about the St. Talmud of Racha. We basically have institutionalized Zion Marcheshvan Feretz Yisrael, and we say December 3rd or December 4th in Chutzlaretz. So the Rush was asked, you know, it doesn't make sense necessarily because you have different climates in different countries. So he had to deal with that issue. But let's get back to our question. So the Rush talks about a question that he was asked, and he was asked questions from all over. I'm going to deal more with the question because I want to get, have a chance to get to the Radvaz, and we probably won't have a chance to do much of what you're going to find on Chav Zayin Amid Beis. But okay, Baruch Hashem, the Gemara continues. So the Rush was asked the following. He's responding now to somebody. He says, There's a situation where there's a Jew who owed money to a non-Jew. So what this guy does, what a wonderful husband, is he leaves the kusi with his wife. He basically creates a situation, it's almost like this guy learned too much Gemara, he creates a situation where he says, you could use my wife as collateral. But you see the case, it's a little bit more. It's not so much that you're using her as collateral, she's going to become your She's going to cook for you, she's going to eat for you, but there's one, she's going to prepare food for you, etc. Maybe she'll do your laundry, but here's the problem. This kusi is being invited to stay with his wife in his house. And the guy gets to sleep in the house and be taken care of. And all of a sudden, uh, there are suspicions. It's not so clear where the husband is at this point. And it could be that the case is the opposite, where, and we'll see how this came up earlier in Mitzrayim, where she is sent off to his house. Now, the Rush says in this situation, again, we want to know, there's already suspicions that are out there. Is she going to be ushered to her husband? And is she going to be usher to a Kohen? But we're dealing here with a practical case where the husband is not a Kohen. So the tshuva, we're not going to say there's a prohibition over here 
of Asulabal, Asulabal. The Rush is not saying that this arrangement is the best arrangement. And he gives an explanation. We'll do part of it. It doesn't seem like it's a situation where there is Yichud. Yichud becomes a big issue in the Sugya. Because do we assume from a Yichud situation that just because there's Yichud, there's a relationship, an intimate relationship? We're not discussing over here the whole process of the sota, where there's the warning and she doesn't listen. It's just a Stam Yichud case, and that's important to keep in mind. Um, it seems like they're kids, and there are other people that are staying in the house. Obviously, if the husband's in the house, it's not going to be a problem. But you also could have, if the kids are over bar bar mitzvah, then you're going to avoid a Yichud situation, assuming that all of that is true. And then he says, and he adds, and this I put into bold, he says, even if at the end of the day, let's say it's just him and her, this is an arrangement that's happening through the husband. It's not going to be considered to be, it is yichud, but it's not going to be enough of a reason to say that a suspicion um, exists. And what he does, the Rosh says, it's not the same as our Gemara. Below dummy, so you're not going to put this into any of the three categories that we have of being captive. Below dummy, and obviously continuing on to Chavzayin Amar Aleph, Ha'isha Shenich B'Sha B'Yadakusim Ha'idei Mama Muteris L'Bala Famrina B'Gemara L'Chad Lishna. So he ends up saying it's not the same case, but he says clearly this is not the best uh, operation. So a, a lot over here is not only the Yichud Heter, because you don't really want to use Yichud as a Heter, but it's also because this was done with the arrangement of the husband. So this guy is not going to mess around. Now there's an uh, interesting case that's brought by the Ber Hetev. The Ber Hetev, we're going now much later into the 18th century, You'll find the bear hetiv on the side of the shulchan aruch or in the bottom of the shulchan aruch. So, what happens if you have a penuya? You have a single woman. So now this is we're talking about the future marriage marital status. Shemadaberes im kusi. It's known that she speaks with this kusi divrei tiflus, and then she has yichud with the person. Okay, she has a reputation in town, and then she has yichud with the person. This is not a case where she's being captured. It's a case where she goes in alone. You do not have to assume, and you should not assume the Ber Hetif says that Bia took place and that this woman now would be prohibited to a Kohen. This is not a case of Asr Labal because she's not married. So you end up seeing a certain amount of flexibility. I'd like to say you're seeing a certain amount of faith in the Jewish woman, um, even if she's not behaving 100% appropriately. Now, there's a really fascinating tshuva. This is brought down by the Pisgah tshuva over here, and this is really worth, uh, we should learn through this entire tshuva at a certain point, but let me give you a little background. This tshuva comes to the Radvaz. The Radvaz is, was living in the 15th century, 16th century, he was in. Uh, he was literally thrown out of Spain in 1492. He ends up coming to Tzfat, 
and in 1513 he left Eretz for Egypt. We're talking now about Pesach time, the whole question whether you're allowed to go to Egypt or not. We're not going to cover that right now. And he gets unbelievable questions from literally all over the world, but some really interesting questions from Mitzrayim itself. So the Jews were living in Mitzrayim. That's clear. So here's the question that comes to him. It ends up being a combination of Arab Gemara with some other sources as well, but it centers on the Yichud, where I think today, Bizman Hazeh, this is where these questions are going to be most relevant, not where women are being taken captive. Baruch Hashem. Now, you could have Rahman al-Islam situation. You know, you have more and more women now that are serving in uh, units in the Israeli army, even in uh, active units. So Rahman al-Islam, a woman could be taken as a, uh, we would call that as a shvuya, but I don't want to deal with that now. So the question that was asked to him was this, and this seemed to be common practice. Sheilas mimeni amashina hagubim mitzrayim. You have his practice in Egypt. Sheholchos hanoshim lasos malacha bebeisa akum. You have these women that go do malacha, housework, in the houses of non-Jews. V'omdosham gimol dalad yamim belelos. It's like for short term, three or four nights. Ulpamim yesh behen neshe kohanim. Some of these women were actually the wives of kohanim. Im yesh chashash. So the question is going to go both ways. It's going to be a question of if it's a married woman, could she be with her husband again? And secondly, if it's a Kohen. Okay, now the assumption again is the women aren't going after the men. So at most there's going to be an Ones case here. They, she would be an Anusa, which would make it a problem for Kohanim. But the first thing that the Radvaz does, is he says, this is bad news. Yesh b'masas at Pritzus Godel. Like, we just have to stop the situation. And he says, the Radvaz, I know that the Nagidim, who were, those who were considered the leaders of the Jewish community, tried to do so. They were somewhat successful. But at the end of the day, and that's why this is so phenomenal, such a uh, interesting case, of what was happening sociologically and historically, there are those, they, they, they want to stop, but they can't. They're poor, the husbands are poor, and they literally have nothing to eat without this. They have no food and no clothes. And therefore, they have no option. Now, the Radvaz could just say, you know, poo on you and don't do it. He could have put a restriction and said that all of you are now going to be us, sir. He actually tries to find as many heterim as possible. And he does find heterim. First of all, the Yisri Yichud is one man with two women, right? Obviously, one woman with one man is a problem. Even with two women, it's a problem. And I, I want to point out that the Yisri Yichud applies not just with a Jew, it applies with a non-Jew as well. He says in most of these situations, you're having three or four women there. So when you get it to three or four women we are not concerned about any one woman having relations with the other. We're also saying, he wanted to say, that these women, they tried when they would do the work in the house to keep a door open or there would be an open window. Apparently, this is literally, you know, right in the Jewish community, this would happen. And very frequently, 
there was a situation where the Baal was in the city, which is another heter of Yichud. And some of this he even admits is a little bit of a stretch, what happens in the middle of the night. But he says in the middle of the night, you know, the Jews were considered the lower class. So they would end up not sleeping in the same place as the man of the house. And sometimes there were men and women that would go to be these, I guess, avadim, almost like servants, back to Mitzrayim, even though not in the same way, they would sometimes have to sleep together in the same room, but there would be many men and many women there, so therefore the busha aspect takes away the prohibition of yichud. Now, he goes through different possibilities where maybe even with these uh, realities, there should be a restriction but at the end, his conclusion is that this is really a Baal Karcha issue. I'm sorry, that's a big difference in a situation where a woman is taken against her will. We're going to be much more suspicious. Those are the cases in the Gemara than if a woman goes on her own. And she's going on her own she's going to have more resistance. And maybe at a certain point, if she sees that the man of the house is trying to seduce her, she will be one of those women that had the strength to get away from the situation. Okay, have a great week of learning as we get ready for Pesach.